Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Keys to Financial Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Marika Steimack. I'm an author, life coach, and app creator. We're going to dig deeper into the 40 simple concepts I've come up with in my book, Keys to Financial Confidence, Unlock Your Best Life. Here, you are going to finally figure out what living your best life means for you and how to set up your financial situation to get there. You are here for a reason, you want change, and you want to learn how. Let's dig in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode where I have Stacy on the show. She's a teacher and definitely has a few things to educate us on today. We are talking about getting to know your numbers. From chapter four in my book, Keys to Financial Confidence, Unlock Your Best Life. In between Stacy's busy schedule, she agreed to help us recognize why it's so important to figure out your financial numbers. And there is something that happens when you do this. Want to find out what it is? Let's dig in. Hi, Stacy. Thanks so much for coming on the show today to discuss chapter four, Know Your Numbers. Please introduce yourself. So I am Stacy Mistrolia. I'm a professor of accounting and a recovering CPA. I've been teaching upper-level accounting classes and financial literacy for 14 years now at Bucknell. That stage of my journey led me to this current endeavor that I'm doing now as Prof. Stacy, the money teacher, because I realized just how great a need there is for financial literacy in the larger community, but particularly the people I see are people starting out. So college graduates starting out from school, they didn't learn a lot of the fundamentals and when I look back in hindsight, I probably didn't learn the fundamentals either, Yeah. but my bent as an accountant was to learn it. It was something I was interested in. So at this stage, I'm really looking to educate people in financial literacy so that they can make confident decisions. I work with individuals, I work with families and small business owners. You run your own company? Yep. But being a college professor also offers us wide stretches of time right now I'll be on sabbaticals. I'll turn in my grades, I think, a week from today. And then I don't have university commitments until late August. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to write my second book. We're going to travel. My daughter and I travel the country. Hopefully, I'll do some speaking along the way. With these big swaths of time or summers off or you know, a month off at the holidays, as my daughter's growing, I need something to be busy with, to do good work with. What's your first book? My first book was called Accosting the Golden Spire. And I co-wrote it with two other professors from other institutions. And we use it in the classroom for an introductory accounting class. So it's, it's a fiction, it's a novel, a fictional novel with a jewel theft and some embezzlement and some insider trading and not a Pulitzer Prize winner written by a couple of accountants, but it definitely brings the business language and business circumstances into the classroom for our 18 and 19 year olds to start to be comfortable with that language and situations and things like that. What's the plan for the second book? So the second book is going to be my financial literacy book. I will intend to use it in the classroom once it's done, but I would also hope that it could be turnkey for other faculty. So at Bucknell, we're really fortunate in that we have a lot of resources to create content like books and new classes, new courses, but a lot of institutions don't and yeah. their faculty are really pressed just to deliver the content to the students that's required. Yeah, that's very cool. 
Today, I brought you on so we could talk about chapter four of my book. The topic is Know Your Numbers and why it's so important to have a list of all your numbers in front of you and to actually pay attention to what you're making every year, what you're paying for your monthly expenses. I feel like so many people like to just bury their heads in the sand and not really acknowledge what their numbers are, their financial numbers are. And you probably see that a lot with the students that you work with. They're going to come out and have all these responsibilities when they get out into the world and pay for their student loans and pay for rent and pay for insurances and mortgages, potentially. You said it already. They just don't seem like they're prepared. And I like to sort of touch on the fact that we need to step up and look at our numbers and acknowledge our numbers and see what's going on in our financial lives. That leads to me saying it's important to have a budget, to set up a budget for yourself. What do you think about budgeting? I'm on the budgeting bandwagon. I think that if you don't know where your numbers are, you can't possibly be successful. I was in corporate for 15 years, a controller for a Fortune 500 company before I went back to get my PhD. And there's many years that I earned enough to be able to ignore the numbers that didn't make it wise. And uh, you know, when you look back, if I had corralled some of those earlier dollars better, the current me would have been much more grateful to the previous me. I just made enough. And I think that there's a lot of people who make, quote, enough, but they don't really, they don't corral it. They don't manage it well. So to me, a budget or a spending plan. Some people don't like the B word. Interestingly enough, my students, the 22-year-olds, don't seem to mind the B word. But when I work with late 20-somethings, early 30-somethings, even 40-somethings, they have a problem with the B word. So I think some of it maybe is generational, but call it a spending plan. You know, It doesn't matter what you call it. It's the fact that you plan ahead of time how to spend your money. But even more important is where you actually start your book, which is tracking. You can plan the best budget ever, If you don't track it, all you did was set all your wishes down on a piece of paper, and then you come back the next month, you look back, you're like, huh, all didn't work out quite like I planned. Let me list out all my wishes on a piece of paper again, and you'll never make the connection. So to me, the making the budget and the tracking are hand in hand. Don't bother to do one if you're not going to do the other. It's just an exercise in frustration. Yeah, I completely agree. That's why I built a daily spending tracking app which is so simple and straightforward for people who don't want to go into their bank accounts. You know, most bank accounts now have a tracking system or a breakdown of what you're spending on. But I find a lot of people just have anxiety going into their bank accounts and reviewing those numbers. So I built something where you manually do this for as long as you want, track what you're spending as you go. It helps you become more mindful. And then it shows you at any moment everything within your categories, what you've been spending on. It brings that awareness to what's going on, to where you're spending your money. What is the best way to track if you're not using my app? What else would you recommend? (laughs) Yeah, well, before we leave the idea of your app, I didn't have a chance to download it. I meant to. But when I was reading what you wrote about it, you can choose to track just certain categories that are particularly interesting to you. So I love that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. People could say, oh, I think I'm fine everywhere. I just want to know what I'm eating out. Or, oh, I just want to know how much I spend on coffee. The crazy thing is, is I really believe you've got to meet people where they are. So if you're talking to somebody and all they can handle is tracking, let's say, eating out, then don't try and overwhelm them with a soup to nuts budget because they're not there yet. The cool thing is if you can engage them with the one topic they're interested in, say eating out, 
then all of a sudden they'll realize, huh, wow, this really matters. Like I can do this and I can change my behavior if I choose, or I can prove to my significant other that I'm not really spending as much as they think I am. Like whatever it is they're in it for, now you've got their buy-in and it's a lot easier then to take people to the next step and the next step. For some people, they'll move at light speed. Some people are the tortoise, you know, and they get the chance to. So I really like that about your app. I've not seen that anywhere else. It always seemed that you had to take all of it or yeah. none of it. We have this thing called HomeSense and it's like, I think I have a problem with spending at HomeSense and I just want to know my HomeSense expenses. I use my app just to be like, okay, hey, how much am I spending? And then there's times where I'll look at it and be like, whoa, I need to cut down. I need to not go there for a couple of days. <laughs> just days. So I totally agree with you. Tracking your expenses is number one. And then you can go in and conquer your budget or start a budget. How do you recommend people start budgeting? I don't think it's anything that's more brilliant than anybody else's method. But usually, you know, a good place to start is how much do you bring home? We can go back around later to whether or not all of your deductions are good and reasonable and appropriate deductions, but start at a base level. How much do you bring home? And how much do you really bring home? Because I've met a lot of my clients, again, not my students so much as more mature people. Oh, this is what I bring home in my check, but I also have tips. Well, they count too, right? Or this is what I bring home, but then I get a bonus or I get commissions. Well, that counts too. So I think a lot of people don't know how to budget or they choose to budget differently for this uneven money, this unscheduled income. Mm -hmm. And I think that's harmful unless you're using it. It delays achieving your goals unless you're using it specifically to achieve a goal. So sometimes that's the money we're saving for vacation. Okay, then, you know, tip money goes towards vacation because you don't need it in order to do your monthly budget and you'll budget your vacation based on whatever's in the tip jar. Obviously, it's less helpful if one person's keeping it a secret from another person. So, you know, starting with your income, all of it, preferably. And then, yeah, listing out your expenses. I usually encourage people to look for their fixed expenses first because those are the ones we can think of the most quickly, debt payments, rent or mortgage, and then come through variable expenses, which typically are mostly wants. You can argue food is fixed or variable, but we have more wants that are variable. Usually not in the first budget session, but you know, after we've been working together, maybe for the second month of your budget is where we start trying to capture the irregular ones. So what do you pay quarterly? What do you pay annually? And I actually have a list. So we walk down like, do you have life insurance? Do you have disability insurance? How do you pay your auto insurance? Tuitions, homeowner's fees that aren't paid monthly and try and capture those. By that point though, hopefully you're speaking to somebody who's bought into the budget. I think if you try and give somebody all of that detail at one time, it just feels very overwhelming. But like day one, how much do you make? Yes. Right. Like day two. What do you spend for all your debt payments, like day three? What do you spend for gas and electric? So just chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And that was another thing I really liked about your book. When I first read it, I'm like, 40 steps. Good Lord. But then when you realize each step is like an hour, I mean, it takes you maybe 15 minutes to read that short chapter. Yeah. And then, you know, less than an hour, most days, some days were longer, but most days less than an hour to ponder that and think about what you want to do and maybe get headed in the right direction. So then I started thinking, I'm like, well, so that'd be like 40 days, like 40 days to getting this financial life up underneath you. So that was really appealing because I like the way you did it bite size. That's the way I think people work. Occasionally I get a client who's yeah. like, nah. but no, usually it's like dip my toe in the water, dip my toe in the water, dip my toe in the water. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And some of the things are unexpected. 
There's one chapter that was really hard to describe. I talk about start behaving like the person you want to be today. And that's a big thing in taking control of your finances as well. Do you want to be someone, you know, who walks around with ripped socks? Like, does that make you feel financially confident? No, just get rid of them. Do you know what I mean? Clean up, (laughs) throw them out, get rid of them, declare who you want to be, someone who is this and this, and then practice those behaviors from that day onward. I didn't plan to write a book. Like, I'm not a writer. I never thought I would be an author. It was always like a fun thing in my mind. But then I was intending on having it just be a 40-day challenge. So just like you stepped into that and mm-hmm. I started writing out the challenges and then it just slowly turned into a book. I was like, I can make this into a book. So why not make it into a book? But maybe down the line, I might introduce like a little financial confidence challenge. That would be cool. Still working on some other things. Bringing it back to the budget. So I've created a simple Excel budget spreadsheet that's available in my Etsy shop. The link will be below But I also found that really overwhelming. And I don't know what you think about this. Like if you want to build your own budget in an Excel spreadsheet, personally, like you would know how to do that. I wouldn't. I think a lot of people in the audience would also be like, I don't know where to start. I guess I just write it down on a piece of paper. But what I've put together is just something so simple, like what you're saying, implement your income. Here are your fixed monthly expenses. Here are your variable expenses. How much do you want to be putting aside for savings? And there's no additional fluff. There's no additional information that you have to fill in. And I hope that it's going to be a good starting point for people to take that adventure of budgeting. Where do you find people going to create their budgets? So I offer three different things. I have what is a very visual budget. It is an Excel, but don't tell anybody. I just print it out in Adobe so that they don't ever know. But it literally has the lines and you can just fill it in and it's got like little pictures on it. And it's not infantile, but it definitely would appeal to somebody who would look me in the face and say, I don't like numbers. Well, that's okay because there's not a lot of numbers here. So that's a template. Oh, that's cool. Then I have a Excel spreadsheet that has the monthly budget and a separate section that will calculate the sinking funds and know whichever of these bills that are in that list come due you'd have the funds available for it in that separate account. So it's a little more sophisticated and I don't hide the fact that it's Excel anymore. And then I got a kick-ass weekly time it to the paycheck, like this blowout Excel spreadsheet. And most people want the first one. Really? Oh my gosh, I'm so, where where can I get the third one? I'll send it to you. (laughs) But most people want the first one. Most people want to see the third one. And then they quickly, you know, because what they're bringing to me in the meetings is the first one. But then from that, I can obviously put it in Excel and do whatever analysis that I want to do with it. But it's really just comfort. Yeah. The one thing I learned being a teacher is you can't teach anybody anything if their mind's not open. So the trick is figure out how to encourage people to open their minds. Mm -hmm. And in general, it's by not overwhelming, meeting them where they are. It's not right or wrong or stupid or simplistic. It's just how you want to process the information. Mm-hmm. And numbers and money have a lot of emotion, which you also capture in your book, mm-hmm. a lot of training from before we were even adults in terms of how we handle money, how we think about it. Mm-hmm. Then you add a couple, so two people who were raised different and have different ideas and somehow have to manage to do that and still live in one house without killing each other. There's so much extra to it that Once I get a feel for 
where somebody is and how fast they're willing to move. And I think it's one of the benefits of being trained as a teacher is, you know, I can throttle up or throttle back. I can mm-hmm. say it in a different way. I can show it in a different way. You know, we just get used to teaching tools. Yeah, just to try and meet somebody where they are. So they feel like they're making progress at their speed, not feeling overwhelmed, and sometimes really not ever showing them all the details. So some people will never see the third Excel spreadsheet because if I showed it to them, they would just say, I'm never going to get there. So I may as well just stay here as opposed yeah. to I can go four more steps down this road, at which point hopefully I'll be there with the bridge to the next four steps down the road. So I think it's just where people are, where they're comfortable and letting that be, it'll be better than it was before, even if it may never be spreadsheet number three. And that's fine. I'm so jealous of you because you get to be in an environment where you can inspire others to want to get more comfortable with their finances. And what have you seen inspires people the most? So if I talk about my students, they want to know that they can be successful and happy. So we spend time even defining what does your ideal future look like? Where do you want to be 10 years from now? Now they're 22, right? So we're way out there in the future. But even asking, do you want to retire early? Do you want to own real estate one day? Do you want to start your own company? Are you somebody who just wants to have like a steady job and, you know, coach your kids soccer someday? Like, how do you envision your future? And we spend time on that because that's what they're building. Yeah. Goal is for them to vision the future. And really underlying it, I teach at a private liberal arts institution. So it has a certain demographic, Mm. but they really want to know that it's going to be okay, that they're going to be able to launch and they're going to be able to live on their own and have a nice start to their life. Where's another great place to find this type of information? I mean, outside of your website or my website, (laughs) I actually, believe it or not, and maybe it's because I'm a CPA, I actually point my students to the AICPA, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. They have a load of free information. It's a bunch of accountants. We do it as our pro bono. You can log on and ask a question. And I don't mean CPA necessarily like asking them a tax question. You could ask a question about, you know, what's the difference between whole life insurance and term life insurance? Or what are I bond? Somebody told me about CDs or this kind of high interest checking account. What does that really mean? Or just whatever the question is. So if you or I are busy that day and can't answer their web question, then the AICPA is usually there. Since I've gotten into the social media stuff, there's a ton of information. The problem is it's not all vetted. You know, these plans may have been successful for a person in a specific circumstance. Somebody got half a million dollars into debt and this is how they got out of it. And I'm not saying that there's not richness in that experience and motivation and those successes, but that's just one way to do it. There's not necessarily depth to it or the ability to change those recommendations based on somebody else's needs, right? And Mm -hmm. that gets a little scary. So I do usually give my students a list of, you know, kind of websites and things and just trying to encourage them to vet where they get their information from, like financial information on TikTok. Yeah. You know, at least make sure it's from somebody who has, you know, some financial background. True. So what are some obstacles you think that we will encounter when we want to get to know our numbers and how can we overcome them? Ignorance is bliss. And then I read your chapter and right there you had said, ignorance is not bliss. And I just bust out laughing. I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun because obviously we we have a certain mindset that's similar. Yeah. I do think that's it. I think as many times as people are negatively surprised, they're positively surprised. When they actually look at the numbers, my experience about half are 
disappointed and half are relieved. So interesting. Yeah. What it means is sometimes, and isn't that true? If you're an optimist, you think one way. If you're a pessimist, you think a different way. That it's not necessarily going to turn out bad if you look at your numbers hard in the face. And I'm a realist. So to me, you've got to find your starting point or you can't build a plan to get anywhere else. All you'll ever be is right there. So I think pulling together your numbers, especially all of the different numbers that you spoke of, because most people owe my numbers and all they think is like income and expenses, mm-hmm. or they think about debt, but they don't necessarily think about car debt because that's different somehow. Debt on a car is different, or they don't think about their house debt, or they don't think about that HELOC or you know, people who have loans that they paid their kids' private school off over time. You know, it's really collecting together all of that information. I believe there's something in your head that's like, I know it's out there and it's probably not good. It is what it is. And my experience, 50% of the time, you thought it was worse. So you were experiencing stress and you didn't even have as bad as you thought you did. I've done it a couple of times in my life. That's why I think it's so important where I'll go through and just collect all my numbers before I build my budget, when I'm going through maybe a yearly review or something. And Yeah. Sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. Sometimes I'm not, but I mean, okay, it gives me the perspective of like, now what do I need to do? But I can definitely envision a lot of people say going through this exercise. And if you buy my book, you actually get the workbook for free. So there's a little QR code at the end of the book that you simply download the workbook. And then there's a know your numbers worksheet where you simply fill it out. That's available to you. Sometimes, like you're saying, you could be pleasantly surprised. And then that weight that's lifted off of your shoulders from finally having your whole entire financial dashboard in front of you and just becoming aware, and then you can figure out what you can do next. Write down your numbers one time. So say January 1st. Yeah. Make a budget and then track to the budget. Then you know where you're going to be on February 1st. And then if you make a February budget and then you track to a February budget, you know where you're going to be on March 1st. And in that way, you don't have to go through a big upheaval every time. Now, I'm going to guess my financial life is probably a little more complicated just because I'm more mature. I actually use Quicken for my own finances because it also helps me with taxes and investments and basis and that kind of stuff. But I've been really busy. This was a really tough semester for me. And I have everything on auto pay. So I know all my bills get paid. It's all in the budget. I know it's fine. I hadn't looked at my investments, but I did keep hearing, oh, the market's down, oh, market volatility, and most of my money is invested. So finally, I think it was about a week ago, I found the time. All I had to do is update Quicken. Like that was it, just update the prices in Quicken. Mm -hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised that my portfolio was not down as much as I would have anticipated based on the talking heads on TV and the news and all of that. So once you get the beast under control, once you have a tool, whatever that tool is for you, then upkeep can be just maintenance. After usually it takes about three or four months to get in that habit of budgeting and get that money awareness Mm -hmm. that whether you're using cash envelopes or if you're using an app to track your expenses, but you kind of know like, yeah, I did make two big road trips this month. So I know I'm spending more on gas. I probably need to cut back on something else. Mm-hmm. You get that money awareness, I think it is. And then if you have a real problem area, I do think cash envelopes do great. You know, if you just have a weakness at that home store, you just need a home sense envelope, right? And you put <laughs> however much in there you're going to spend. And when you look in there and the little mods fly out, you know, you're done this month. You also could put the home sense receipts in there. Because later on, you can be like, you know what? I'm going to return that so that I could get something else. And you'll know exactly where your receipt is because it's right in that envelope. 
Well, thank you so much, Stacey, for coming on the show and giving us some insight as to why we should know our numbers or get to know our numbers. Where can people find you? So all my social media and my website are all under Prof Stacy, the money teacher. And I have all the normal social media. And my website is profstacythemoneyteacher.com. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great. Hopefully you now understand the significance of knowing your financial numbers and gain some clarity on how to go about it. Feel free to contact Stacy if you require additional assistance. And to aid you in getting a better grasp of your numbers, I have created a worksheet that you can easily complete, which is available for purchase on my Etsy shop. Join us on our next episode where we discuss how to find a buddy at the bank or a financial advisor and why it's essential for you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for more expert guidance on developing financial confidence. Thanks for listening. And now it's time to go write out all your numbers. <laughs>